This is Wednesday, December 1st. I was a teenager when my parents took our family on what we call our family roots vacation. My mom had an interest in our family heritage, and up to that time, all we had was a piece of paper with our family tree written on it. We set off on a record search through North and South Carolina, looking for more information about the people whose names were listed on that piece of paper. Now, this was before Ancestry.com, and we had to visit a number of counties to verify records and get more information. That part was boring for us teenage boys. Family history wasn't the least bit important to us. But for the people of Israel, there was hardly anything more significant. And here's why. Your status and the land allotted to you was based on your family origin. On the outside of the temple, there was inscribed a family tree of the nation. You could go there and trace your ancestors, your lineage. God's promises to his people were often rooted in birth and family. Here's our text for today, Luke 1, verse 30 to 31. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You are to call him Jesus. He will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Yes, the promise given to Mary reminds her of her family heritage. The honor has fallen to her to carry the Messiah for two reasons. First, she is of the family of David. Remember, we learned that the Lord promised David that one of his offspring would sit on the throne of Israel and his kingdom would be an everlasting kingdom. He would rule and reign forever. Mary may be a poor peasant woman, but she's a descendant of David, the second king of Israel. Though she lives far from her family's ancestral lands, God has chosen her. And second, Mary is told that God favored her. She didn't earn or do anything to deserve this position. God set his affection on her and chose her. Yes, God gives his promises not because we're deserving. None of us are. His promises flow from his goodness. As Paul said later in, the, in his letter to the Christians in Rome, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. That's Romans eleven thirty three to 36. Now for Mary, God's choosing her is all of grace. This is true for each of us. God promises our good by his grace because he is good. God doesn't owe us anything. Our lives, all that we are and have, come as his gift. Now Mary could find at the temple her family lineage. It would lead back to David. 
and then to the promises the Lord made to him. Now it's true at the time of Mary, people had largely forgotten the promises of God. When Herod had a visit from the Magi, the wise men, he had to consult the religious scholars to learn that the promised Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. You see, we may forget God's promises, but God never forgets. He is faithful from generation to generation. Here in the angel's words, we hear stitched together the promises made to David and also that came through Jacob the patriarch. Why doesn't the angel mention Abraham in this explanation given to Mary? Wasn't he the father of the faith? He is, and the Lord also made this promise to him. But Jacob is mentioned to talk about Israel, the people of God, in the strongest possible terms. Jacob was the liar and con artist. His name means something like cheater. The whole story behind God's promise is God taking a sinful man and wrestling with that man and blessing him. To use Jacob's name is to bring up his story and how God chose him and blessed him. Again, it was all of grace. God loved him not because he was a good man, but to show himself as the Redeemer. He redeemed a people for himself. This is what Mary is learning. The promises given to David and Jacob will come to pass in the child she will deliver, in Jesus. Now here's what happened when our family sought out our family story. One day the notes in a ledger at a county records office directed us to a plot of land not far from Charlotte, North Carolina. This farm had been the original family homestead in 1683. In the middle of a cornfield, there was a section that had not been planted. It had been left, and it had filled with trees. And there was an old family cemetery with marked graves and very simple gravestones. All of a sudden, the stories and the names, well, they became real. Our family had lived there planted and harvested their crops there, and got a start in the new world right there. And this is what we realize when we hear the word spoken to Mary. This is what we constantly need to return to. Jesus is the word made flesh, the promises of God in living color, flesh and blood. In Jesus, the promises of God become real, and they also come to us. Those far away are brought near by the love of God in Jesus. God has kept his promise. Let's pray. Gracious and ever-loving God, sometimes your promises seem unreal to us. They seem like an echo that has come from far away of a voice we desperately want to hear. Help us to see that Jesus has come and your promises in him have been fulfilled and will continue to be fulfilled until the kingdom of Jesus from the line of David comes in fullness. We long for that day. Amen.